0: This is awesome because, first of all, this is the first time that I've ever held this or I have this mic on. So this is a first for me. I don't even know what to do with my hands. I haven't got used to it. Second thing, this is the first time since October that I have preached to a live Sunday morning audience. And so I'm really excited to be able to preach this morning. And uh, over the last month, uh, more than a month, we have been in a series called Ways of Wisdom. And what we've been doing is we've been taking a look at the book of Proverbs, and we have been looking at just different scriptural principles from the book of Proverbs, for the purpose of not only learning them, but applying them. Because, how many of you don't know what I'm talking about? Like you can't. Wisdom is all about application, not increased information. That's right. You know the the way in which you demonstrate that you are walking in wisdom is you are taking the wisdom that you have learned and you're actually putting it to work in your life. And and, and the, the opposite of that is the know-it-all that does none of it. I love taking lessons from people in golf that shoot 100. Like, You've watched the Golf Channel for hours, but for some point, there's been a lack of application of the information. And so you can tell me what to do, but can you show me what to do? Uh, Wisdom is all about application, not just increased information. And so what I want to do is I want to go back to the book of Proverbs, and I want to actually go to a very familiar passage of Scripture to see another a principle of wisdom that we can put into uh, work or application in our life, and that's found in Proverbs chapter three. So, if you got your Bibles, go with me. If you don't, you can look at the screen. If you're lazy, forgot your Bible, you can still look at the screen. No judgment. Nick, Proverbs chapter three, verse one. If you're with me, say I'm with you. With you. All right. I already like this. I already like not holding the microphone. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. My son, do not forget my teaching, but have your heart comply. What's that word comply? That's obey. How do you not forget teaching? You obey it. You follow it until it becomes the fabric of who you are. My son, do not forget my teaching, but have your heart comply with my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they, that is the commandments, will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and a good reputation in the sight of God and man. And for the rest of the message this morning, I want to focus in on the next two verses. These are life verses for me. I memorized them over a decade ago. I love these. Verse five, let's say it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Message translation says it this way. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Any self-sufficient people in the room need to hear that. I got it. Don't try to figure it out all on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So as we continue this ways of wisdom, I just want to talk about trusting in in the Lord with all of your heart. Will you guys join me? Bow your heads, close your eyes as we pray. Jesus, we give you this moment. Father, we've already given you another part of our service, the beginning part, but we also give you this. Father, I pray, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are uh, in the midst of your people and you are breathing on your word. And so, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we hear your word this morning, that we would not just hear it, but, Father, that it would be embedded in who we are so that we can apply it to our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. How many of you have had the privilege of raising kids? <laughs> privilege. Somebody laughed at that, <laughs> that word, Privilege. Privilege of raising kids. I've got three kids. As many of you know, I've got Gideon. I've got Ella Gideon is nine. He's about to be 10 in March. I've got Ella, my my middle. Um, I just love her. Um, She just has me wrapped around her finger. And then I've got Zeke. And um, let me just say that again. And then I got Zeke. (laughs) And Zeke is three. And uh, before we had kids, we did a lot of preparation as most parents do. Uh, you, you know, obviously go to the Lamaze classes or you kind of ask other parents what to expect. Uh, we read two books together by, by, by saying that we read two books together. Allison read the book and then told me about it. And uh, how many of you have read What to Expect When You're Ex- Expecting? How many of you have read Baby Wise? Anybody ever read Baby Wise? Okay. Um, and so those were two like pivotal critical books that we were reading before we were, or as we were preparing for, for our kids, um, but to my knowledge, those books really didn't prepare me for, for, for one thing. Now, there was a lot of things that those books can't prepare you for, but one of them in particular is the bombardment of questions that your kids will ask you. Have you ever been examined or interrogated by your kids to the point you just can't do anything else? This is something I was not prepared for. And uh, my youngest son, in particular, Zeke, um, it's part of his skill set. <laughs> and uh, so this, this is the typical morning experience. Gideon sleeps in, Ella sleeps in, Zeke's up at six o'clock. Maybe seven if we're lucky. Maybe seven if I crawl down the stairs. Because at, at any noise... He's up, and I usually like to go downstairs and read my Bible in the morning, um, but uh, let me just confess, I don't necessarily read my Bible in the morning because I'm a pastor. I read my Bible in the morning because I have to uh, get myself to a place where I can prepare for the amount of questions I'm going to be asked in about five minutes, and so Zeke is a, a questioner, so we come, he comes downstairs downstairs. And this is his morning routine. As if I can't hear him yank his door open in the morning. What is it with boys not being able to turn the knob all the way? Is it just me? My kid, quarter turn and yank. It's like he wants everyone to know he's up. So he'll come downstairs super quiet. And then he stands behind a chair as if I can't see the six inches of the top of his head on the other side. Every morning. And then he... I'm like, I know you're up, dude. So I'm reading my Bible. Come sits next, next to me on the couch. Dad, what are you doing? Now that's like where it usually at. What do you think I'm doing? Do you not see? I'm reading my dad, what are you doing? I'm reading my Bible. Oh. Why are you reading your Bible? Because I'm reading my Bible. Oh. Dad, I'm hungry. I want something to eat. Look me in the face. I will get you something to eat as soon as I stop reading my Bible. Okay. Dad, are you going to get me something to eat after you read your Bible? Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? To the point, it's like exasperating. I wake up. And I've got 10 minutes without being exasperated by the interrogation of a three-year-old. And there will come moments in the morning where he'll continue to ask me the same questions. And I'm not, I don't have problems with the initial question. I have problems with the repeated same question over and over and over again. Does anybody know what I'm talking, is it just me? And so Zeke, he'll ask me, I'm hungry after I've already told him I'm gonna get you something. I got you, man. I'm gonna hook you up. I'm a man of my word. I'm gonna get you something. Ten seconds later, that I'm hungry. You're gonna get me something to eat. To the point where I just look at him and I'm like, what did I just say? And I gotta be honest, like I got to the point in my interactions with Zeke where I started to get really, really frustrated. Not at the question, but the repeat question of the same question. And and here's why I got frustrated. Because I started to think to myself, is there something that I have done to cause my three-year-old to question whether or not he can trust me? Why? Why do you keep on asking the same question Over and over again, you've heard me say it. You've heard from my mouth that I have promised you. And here's the thing. I've got a good track record, y'all. It's not like I say it to him and then like I'm out and I'm like, you're on your own, figure it out. I mean, for a year, at least every single morning, I get up, he asks me the same question 10 times. I tell him the same thing 10 times. And then if you'll stop asking me questions so I can finish reading my Bible, I'll give you something to eat. And I get it every single time. Why do you continue to question whether or not I will be who I say I am to you? And there was one morning where I was struggling not being frustrated with this. Felt like he didn't trust me when I said, that I was going to do what I said I would do. I would be thinking to myself, why doesn't he believe me? And as I thought to to myself one day, the Holy Spirit said this, he said this. He said, just because Zeke's trust in you is being, now hear me, is being put to the test, doesn't mean you aren't trustworthy. It doesn't mean you aren't trustworthy. You wanna know why Solomon, the wisest person to have ever lived, told you to trust in the Lord with all your hearts and lean not on your own understanding. Here's why. Because even though our trust in God is tested by the adversities of life, that does not mean he isn't trustworthy. Don't let difficulties, adversities, unknowns lie to you and tell you just because they're testing your trust in God that God is no longer trustworthy. This is what circumstances do. This is one of the lies that circumstances will tell you. They'll tell you that just because you're struggling means that God isn't faithful. Just because you're struggling, does, it means that God isn't trustworthy. Listen to me this morning. Just because you may face sickness, disease, death, doesn't mean he isn't trustworthy. Just because you face a job loss or financial hardship or you've got relational issues doesn't mean he isn't trustworthy. Stop taking the things that you're going through and saying, because I'm going through this, that means God isn't faithful and God isn't trustworthy. He's still trustworthy just because your faith in God, your belief in God, and your trust in God to be faithful is being tested by what you're going through, that doesn't mean that he isn't trustworthy. Just because life will test your trust in Jesus doesn't mean he isn't trustworthy and that he isn't worthy of trusting in him with all of our heart. See, when I think about these conversations with Zeke and I, I, I kind of like process why he was coming from where he was coming, this is important because this is what we all do. The reason why Zeke was, cause, was questioning whether or not I would do what I said I would do was because Zeke had his own idea of when I would do it and what I would do. Yeah. He thought just because he asked me for cereal, he thought that I was going to get up and do that within the next 10 seconds. We all have a frame work for when God is supposed to do what he's doing, why he's supposed to do it, and when he's supposed to do it. And I think one of the things that I love about, about God is he will not be confined to your box. He won't. He just doesn't. He's like, ha, ha, ha you thought. And then what he'll do is he'll just kind of humble you and say, I, I, I know you have your own understanding, but, but I'm not one that's going to be confined to your understanding. Let's talk about this in the book of Job. There's an entire book in, or chapter in Job where Job is lamenting to God about everything that he's going through. And God has to speak back to him and say, where were you when I created all this? Right. Good. Where were you? When I did this, and oh, you weren't there, weren't you? Oh, okay. Matter of fact, you couldn't even do it if you had the ability. So don't question me in the midst of your misunderstanding. That's what trust is. Trust is saying, even though I can't see it, I know you're working. Even though it's not happening the way I hoped it to work, I trust you, I trust you, trust you. You can't have faith without trust. Trust is at the root. And so what we have to understand that when we're going through this, what we have to understand about what it looks like to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding is that we cannot rely on our framework, our parameters, our understanding to be the litmus test of whether or not God's being faithful. Because he will defy that time and time again. Listen to me. Our trust in God is most tested when what he has said or what he has done isn't fitting into our understanding. See, Zeke had to ask me again 30 seconds after he had already asked me why. Because he must have thought I was going to do it in that framework. Can I tell you, in my life, I'm 37 years old, I'm going to be 38 in September, but there have been two situations in which I thought God was supposed to move faster than he moved, and he didn't, and it it tested my trust, it tested whether or not God said he, he was going to be who he said in his word. It tested the prophetic words, Betty, that was spoken, spoken in my life. Because I don't care who you are, you hear God uh, prophetically speaking, and you begin to paint a canvas of what that's going to look like. And so my, in my canvas, I was going to be in ministry. I got a prophetic word at 15 and 16. I was going to be in ministry at 21. I was going to be married. I was going to have it all together at 21, and I was going to be up here preaching. Wrong. 27. Six years of purgatory. I had it all pictured, I was gonna have all three of my kids by 27, wrong. Had my first around 27 or 28, I don't even remember. I'm at that point in my life where I just can't even remember at some time. And then five years went by before we had our second. He defied my framework. And so the question is, do you trust him even though what he has said or what he is doing isn't fitting in your box. That's, That's what trust is. Yeah. See, it's not conditioned on your understanding. It's saying, even though I can't see it all playing out, I still trust you. See, one of the things I felt like the Lord wanted to, to, for me to share this morning is not only that just because life is testing your trust um, in God doesn't mean he isn't trustworthy. Here's the second thing but also that your trust in God only grows through the test that life brings. We want to fully trust God and not go through anything, Mm -hmm. and it's not how that works. Our test, our trust actually has to be put to the test to grow. And so consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith or trust produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's all about the, under, the reality that you actually have to, if you want to have great faith, embrace the test. Because that's where your trust grows. Trusting God doesn't grow when things are comfortable. It only grows when things are challenging. Trust him in the light. This is a quote. Trust him in the light, that is nothing. But trust him in the dark, that's faith. When things are comfortable, it affords us a complacency where you don't have to trust in God as much. Because you got it. You got it all figured out. What do you think in the book of Matthew, I believe, Jesus said, how hard is it for the wealthy or the rich to inherit the kingdom? The point was, is that it's not that wealth and, and riches are a problem, it's what they do to your soul in affecting your dependency upon God. Because when your bank account is banking, you don't need Jesus, you got it. I mean, even Proverbs says, The confidence of the wealthy is in the riches. He said that not because there's a problem with being wealthy, but it's what it does to affect your trust in Jesus. See, we got to embrace the tests that come. If there's anything that 2020 did for every Christian, it was to put their trust in Jesus under a microscope to be examined. Because here's the reality, when for a weekend, look, I remember being in college, and it was finals week, and I'm like, Lord, if I can just get through this week, I will serve you on Monday with everything that I have. And then 2020 hit, and the prayer is, Lord, if I can just get through this year, I will, I will serve you. Why? Because there was so much uncertainty, so many unknowns about 2020 that tested our trust in Jesus. But just because life tests our trust doesn't mean he isn't trustworthy. So how do we get to the place where we put our trust in God with all of our heart? Remember Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. How do we get there? Two ways that trusting God is developed. Really quickly, the first is this. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart is developed through the testing of your trust in God with all that's in your heart. Trusting the Lord with all your heart isn't about grit and determination. It's not like you come up to someone and they're just like, What are you doing? Trusting. It's not about grit, it's not about work ethic, it's not about effort and tenacity. And I'm, I'm gonna trust in God. It's about allowing everything that's in your heart to be tested. As to whether or not you trust him with it. Do you trust God with your kids? Do you trust God with your husband or your wife? Do you trust God with your finances? Do you trust God that He'll be faithful at your job? Do you trust God that, that do you trust God about the church and the leadership in the church and the pastors and, and the people in the church? Everything, what is in your heart, do you trust God with it? That's what that is all about. You cannot trust God with all of your heart. If you're not trusting him with everything in your heart. That's what it looks like. The phrase trusting God's not about gritting your teeth. It's not about a matter of grit and willpower. Trusting the Lord with all of your heart is developed through the testing of your trust in God with all that's in your heart. Commit, Proverbs says, commit your ways to the Lord and you will succeed. Uh, A perfect example of this, this is a great testimony for Allison and I. Allison came to me about a month and a half ago and uh, because Zeke is, uh, he's, he's basically his grandfather at three. He's a sanguine. He loves people, wants to hang out, wants to party. Uh, matter of fact, there was a, a morning about uh, three weeks ago where Allison said, I want you to go to your room and play. And he was like, I don't want to go to my room. There's no people there. <laughs> That's it. Didn't he say that? He's a people person. And so because uh, Proverbs says train a child in the way he should go and he will not stray far from it. One of the things Allison has recognized about Zeke, he's a people person. He needs more interaction while I'm homeschooling Gideon and Ella than I can give him. And so she comes to me and she's like, I I, I wanna put Zeke in preschool. And I'm like, who gonna pay for it? Because preschool ain't cheap. And so um, I call Allison Lola, you know that I think it's an '80s song. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. So, and and it's part of part of being her husband. I love her, so it's like I, you know, uh, Tammy always said, you know, "See, you need me to need." So, you know, I, I everything when she says, "I want this," I'm like, "I'm on. It. Let's go. Let's do it." And then there was this preschool, and I was like, "I'm not on it. Let's, <laughs> let, let's, 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 let's pray. I don't. I haven't heard the Lord on this yet." And so she's like. Um, She's like, uh she's like, hey, yeah, give it a year. <laughs> you know, let's just give it a year. So she's like, I really want to put him in preschool. I feel like he needs to go through preschool. And so I'm like, okay. So in, in my mind, I'm freaking out because I'm the provider, but I'm not the provider. Right. That's it. Take that off your load. <laughs> I am the provider if I don't trust God. That's right. See, that's what happens. It's a divine exchange. You can actually try to figure it all out on your own and kill yourself, or you can trust God. Mm-hmm. That if that is God, He'll provide for it. Right. And so I'm like, so Allison doesn't know, but I start praying. Now, let me just tell you something about my personality. I don't like, I don't like, I'm not just like always praying, praying to God for things that, that, that I want. That's just not my, my personality because I, I, I feel like He's already done enough. So, like, you died on the cross. I don't need to ask for anything else. Right. Exactly. So I started praying for this, though. <laughs> because who doesn't have hundred dollars, $180 a month, this guy, for preschool? And so I started praying. I said, Lord, um, you know Allison's heart, and I trust you, whatever. About a week or so goes by, my dad calls me. He says, hey, your aunt can't drive anymore. And so she wants to know if you will sell her car uh, on her behalf and um, you can keep half of whatever you make. Cool. So it's a 2001 Toyota Camry. Rick and Pastor Dwight can attest to this. 2001 Toyota Camry. It's got 110,000 miles on it. The check engine light's on. Um, there's a uh, She loved to hit, um, you know, the... Uh, the parking lot uh, bays where you you put, your, she loved to hit them. Like, they were going, they were coming looking for her. So there was a scuff mark all the way across, across the passenger side. So I'm like, okay, this is awesome, cool. And I'm thinking in my head, maybe I'll make a thousand bucks, and we can put that towards the preschool. And so... Um, I look on uh, Kelly Blue Book in the, the vehicle at 110,000 miles. It's the mean is like uh, $2,800. So I detail it. I get a new hubcap for it because that was one of the casualties of war in the Kroger parking lot. Um, I put a, I put a hubcap on it. I I I detail it. I I mean I'm like buffing out the side, you know, like trying to get I'm trying to like get it to the point where you take pictures you can't see it. You know what I mean? Let's be real. I take it to Molly, Maggie Moves, whatever, and get it a car wash, and then I put it on Craigslist, and I put it, uh, put it on Facebook Marketplace, and I'm getting all sorts of, hey, will you take 2,000? Will you take this? And I know 1,000 bucks, man, that, that will drastically offset the cost of a whole year of preschool. And so um, I get to the point, it, it, I had gotten enough inquiries within 12 hours that I was going to meet someone the next day, and they were going to buy it. They, they said 2,000, and I said, no, that's enough because I had $300 in this thing. So um, I pr- priced it for $2,800, said $2,800 is the lowest so I'm gonna go. So I'm gonna meet this lady in the morning, and honestly, you ever get a check-in spirit you just don't feel good? You don't feel right about it? And I'm like, this lady, I mean, I'm unwilling to sell her the car, but I, I felt like, and Allison said this, I felt like if I drove that morning to this lady, she's gonna show up with like $1,800, and she's gonna, she's gonna be like, Because you're there, it's like I'm gonna cave to take the 1800. And so I'm like, I I woke up this morning like, I'm gonna meet her there at noon, but um, I just don't feel good about it. About an hour goes by and I get cold cold called from my guy on Craigslist. I have no idea who this number is, but normally I don't usually, I I usually send those to my voicemail because I don't wanna hear like, this is your warranty for your car. (laughs) And so, I, 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 I'm like, I'm gonna an answer, so I pick this up. This guy says, hello, my name is Jack so-and-so. He says, I own a jewelry shop uh, on Ohio State campus, and he says, I will give you $500 cash above what you're asking. I'm like, that don't make sense. <laughs> like, I feel like, I'm, a, I'm a like, I need someone to come and read those $100 bills, because they might be fake. <laughs> He says, my, my daughter is in desperate need of a car. This looks like a great car. And I said, well, before we meet up, because I don't like dealing with like the like hiding stuff and then you show up and you're all mad at me. So I said, there's a check engine light on. This is what the check engine light is for. There's scrapes all inside the car. He was like, I don't care. I'll meet you in an hour. I'm like, okay. So I called the other lady and I'm like, psych. Um, <laughs> Show up at the church, meets me at the church, comes in, hands me $3,300, and says, Nice doing business with you. And here's the interesting thing minus my expenses and minus the money I gave to my aunt, which was half the proceeds, what I got covered the entire year of preschool. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now before that, I'm like, man, I'm gonna have to door dash on Saturdays for like six months. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. I don't know where that money's gonna come from, but it came from somewhere. Do you know that God has multiple bank accounts? <laughs> He's got resources everywhere. And that was a resource. Just because my trust in God was being tested doesn't mean he wasn't trustworthy. Right. Right. I'm going to end with this because it's 1128. and I got more to say, but that's fine. Trusting, number two, how your trust in God gets developed. Choosing to trust when your logic fails you. That's what lean on your own understanding means. Anybody logical in here? Anybody analytical? Yeah. Yep. What about when logic fails you and you just don't have an answer? You can't create where, what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go. That's why the second half of that verse five is so critical. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean is a support adjective. It's Putting your weight on your logical ability to understand and get it all figured out. And what Solomon was saying was, there will be moments in life when your logic is a liar because the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who can know it? And your emotions will deceive you and you don't know what to do. And logically, you've got it all figured out and you're wrong. That's when you need to lean not on your own understanding. And so logic can be a liar. Logic can fail you, your ability to figure it out. But Romans 11.33 says this, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who became his counselor? Or who has first given him that it would be paid back to him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Can you trust God and worship him through the mystery of his ways? when your logic deceives you when your logic is a liar thing i love about our faith is our faith was founded by a guy that trusted god and had no idea where he was going hebrews 11:8 look at this scripture by faith abraham when he was called obeyed by going out to a place which which was his uh, to receive for his inheritance and he left not knowing where he was going can you imagine all of the processors and all of the logical people seeing Abraham's caravan are like, Abe, where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm going. But I'm going. Some of you just need to buck your logic and go with the flow. Go with what God is, is leading you into. Even though you can't understand, it, just go with it. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Can you imagine that? See, even though our trust in God is tested by the adversity of life, doesn't mean he isn't trustworthy. Trusting the Lord with all of your heart means that you're trusting God with everything that is in your heart. And trust in God even when your logic fails you. And lastly, verse 6: in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Man, that is so key. Yeah. That is so Key, you know what that is? That is the Old Testament version of Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom, and everything else will be added unto you. If you you will acknowledge God in the moments of your life where you don't know what is going on, he will direct your path. I'm telling you. God, I I can't figure it out. I got you. And, and, And this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. This is a Rubik's Cube. And I, um, I'm using this as an illustration because it took me about a month uh, in January at pre COVID to figure it out. And so um, I'm proud of myself. That's why I'm using it as an illustration. <laughs> but this is what we hold up to everyone. We got it all figured out. We got this. This is the, I got it. I'm good. This is what we show everybody. Behind the closed doors, this is what life looks like. I really don't have it together. But I'm up front, and I'm going to act like I got it all together because that's what I want to show everybody when my life's a mess. And often, this is what life is. You can only control this part. You can partially have it all together. But let's, like, take all the pressure off in the room. We don't really have it all together. I mean, we kind of do. But in order for our lives to really come into full completion, we have to trust God with all this other stuff. Yeah, if you really want to get to where God uh, wants to take you, you got to let go. Sometimes this is what's preventing him from working on this. Right. Because you're, working, you're, you, you're trying so hard to keep this part together right. yeah. that he can't even get to this. Exactly right. And so we show everybody this. And the amazing thing about this is that I'm not a genius. I'm really not. There's an algorithm. Anybody know what an algorithm is? There's an algorithm to this Rubik's Cube. The algorithm is a series of movements and steps that you take for you to be able to solve this. You know what's so good? In all your ways acknowledging him, God knows the algorithm to your life. And you don't. And so when he speaks to you prophetically, he's speaking from him knowing the algorithm. I'm not going to just speak to you a future thing. I'm actually going to speak to you because I know the steps and processes that need to take place for me to get you to where I want you to go. But there will be unknown moments. See, what you have to understand about solving this is there will be parts of the algorithm process that if I look at the Rubik's Cube and I don't just trust the process, I will lose my way and I won't know what, how to get to that, that point. I, I've, 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 I've done this multiple times over the last year. I, it took me a month to learn it. And I'm telling you, if I stop in the middle of the process, I have to start all over again. If I just trust the algorithm to completion, I can solve it. God knows the algorithm to your life. And if you will just trust him, if you'll trust the process, outreach guys, you're in the middle of a process and probably a whole bunch of the stuff that Pastor Steve tells you to do, you're like, this makes no sense. (laughs) But there's a process. And see, the thing that I love about Pastor Steve, he knows the algorithm. He, needs, he knows how to get you out. God knows how to get you to the ultimate place of your destiny, but you have to trust the process. And so, you know, he says stuff like, okay, I want you to, I want you to turn here. And if I stopped in the middle, I wouldn't know how to get there. I really wouldn't. And um, I'm just talking on my feet for a minute, you know, uh, because um, it's kind of hard to talk to do, to do this and, and still focus. But if I just follow the algorithm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna solve this. But I got to trust the algorithm. I got to trust, I got to trust. So, so now I trusted the algorithm. God knows the algorithm to my life. And now I got more completion, don't I? But still there's this part. It, don't stop short. You know what this is right here? This is where Abraham's dad stopped. He stopped in Haran. Said this is good enough. This was more than where, where I was. But there was still more that God wanted to bring. So if you just if you follow the the algorithm, he's going to get you there. You just have to trust him in all your ways. Acknowledge him; he's going to get you there. I mean, he's going to he's going to do it so that you know that so that you can trust the whole the whole process. But you have to commit to it. What is what is uh, scripture saying? Now look, I got one more row to go. This is what? How old are you, Dwight? This is where you are right here. This is where, where's where most of the old people are, right here. That's if you trust God. So I'm on the first stage, y'all. I'm good. I'm still fresh. But you just have to trust the process. Even when you don't see it, he's working. But you got to trust it. Oh, now I got just some middles to go. That's why scripture says your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Because there, that's a guarantee that there would be moments in your life where you won't know what to do. But if you trust the process. I'm kind of shaking y'all because there's some pressure. <laughs> You'll get to where you need to go. Amen. But That's the value of God's word. Listen, we can't have it all solved, solved, but what's one scripture from God's word that you can apply to your life even when you don't understand what's going on and just commit to the process? Because there are moments in life where you will have no idea what to do. And you'll feel like you're just, you feel like, you'll feel like how I feel every morning when I'm trying to get up before my wife without waking her up and I can't turn the light on. You're just feeling around in the dark hey, that's a mattress, <laughs> that's some furniture. Please don't hurt myself. I've walked straight into the door. And I'm like, dang it, I tried so hard. But trust in the Lord because this is what Philippians 1.6 says. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it, unveiling until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will only be as faithful to complete the work as you give it over to him. If not, you'll just have that one side solved for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? That's what it looks like to trust in the Lord, even when you're in the middle of it, in the mystery. Commit to the process he'll get it all all together for you. He'll take care of you. He's got you if you'll acknowledge him. Will you stand with me? How many of you got trust issues right now? Trust issues. Trust issues. If you got trust issues, welcome to the party. But, Right now, I want to encourage you to remove the framework that you have in your trust issue and allow God to, to do it. So wherever you are, just lift your hands up if that's you. Father, your word says this, trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge you and You will make our paths straight. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you that you can be trustworthy, that you can be trusted. God, I pray this, Lord Jesus. I pray over every person that has been discouraged, that has thought, why do I feel like I am so tested? Why do I feel like life is coming at me with all of these challenges, challenges, adversities, obstacles, difficulties, Why does life seem like it's testing me? And I just pray over every person that is struggling with that, Lord, that they would be encouraged this morning by the truth of your word, that just because our trust in you is being tested by life doesn't mean you aren't trustworthy. God, you are so trustworthy. You will be faithful to complete what you have started in every single one of us. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would commit our ways to you and that we would succeed from it, Lord. I pray that we would surrender our framework, our box of understanding, and we would embrace the mystery of our relationship with you, that we would let go of the analytical, that we would let go of the logical. In the moments where we cannot be led by that, we would just trust in you, in the mystery and in, in the unknown. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Can we give God a praise this morning? Oh, my God.